HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Uptown Beer Society, a craft beer gang dedicated to making memorable collaborations with New York City brands and breweries owned by people of color. Learn more on Instagram at Uptown Beer Society. Okay, hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here on Beer Sessions Radio. Today is Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021. Yes, it's 2021. And we're recording remotely with some folks talking about the California Craft Beer Week that's coming up. So in 2020, a year ago, we didn't think that any of this would have happened. But the way that uh, so many individuals in our industry, food, restaurant, and, and craft beverages have responded is quite amazing. And I think this is a very uplifting story of a very special place, the area around San Francisco, and just how they've morphed uh, from San Francisco Beer Week now into the California Craft Beer Week. So let's briefly introduce the guests. Just, just say your name and uh, where you're from. Uh, start with Joanne. Joanne Marino from the San Francisco Bay Area. Great. And you're with the Bay Area Brewers Guild, right? Correct. And Kim? Uh, Kim Sturdivant, and I'm at Pacifica Brewery just south of San Francisco. That's great. Wow. So, um, so Joanne, we'll start with you. So uh, a PR company, uh, Bread and Butter PR, who we work with a lot, reached out and said, there's a great story. It's California Craft Beer Week. And... Uh, I thought, well, is that San Francisco Beer Week? So, so bring us up to speed. <laughs> Tell us how this happened, and then also how you got involved in this whole thing. Because I know you've really paid your dues in, in the craft beer industry. Yeah, well, I, I mean, San Francisco Beer Week has been around for over ten years, um, and is one of the world's largest, most successful beer weeks. Um, it is, it is an astounding activity that happens every February over ten days. Uh, you know, there's hundreds of events. Uh, we hold a, a, a massive gala normally with over 100 breweries from throughout the Bay Area. And um, it, it was a real tough decision as we looked at the at, at what happened this past year and what was to come. And, um, you know, for me, I've had a lot of Beer Week experience in general. I uh, was one of the founders of Austin Beer Week and I worked with the Texas Craft Brewers Guild uh, back in the day, about 10 years ago. And I've been here in the Bay Area for the last five years. And, and I think what we really felt like is we didn't want to try to uh, do business as usual because it wasn't. Uh, the whole climate is entirely different. And um, rather than sort of set us all, ourselves up for a situation where uh, we didn't know if, if breweries were going to be opened or closed and what the state of everything was going to be, uh, we decided instead to to uh, sort of turn outward and uh, make San Francisco Beer Week a bigger umbrella and kind of expand it into California Craft Beer Week. And in doing that, we reached out to six other regional guilds in California and the state California Craft Brewers Association. And we basically came together uh, to do a collective, essentially, with our guild leading the way and um, leading all the organizing and um, it's been uh, it's been astounding uh, to get the feedback from the other guilds. It's been astounding to work with um, all these different breweries across the state. And we're really just getting going with the, the listings now that February is starting to hit. And here in California, the stay at home 
uh, has been lifted. So there's a lot of activity happening um, and it's just in time. Um, our thinking was it's going to be a long winter. How do we help uh, breweries throughout the state and especially in our region? And this is what we came up with. Well, that's great. So, Kim, tell us about Pacifica Brewery. Um, you know, what is it and what have you guys been doing uh, during COVID? Um, Pacifica Brewery opened up in October of 2019. And um, there was a, a brewery here before myself. Um, and uh, the Bay Area kind of as a whole got shut down mid-March. And um, they were able to get some PPP loans and things. Um, the brewery I was at before here, we weren't really sure what was going on with the whole COVID situation and how safe it was to be together. So um, I kind of, we all decided that I should just kind of leave for a few weeks and, you know, with the hopes of getting hired back in a few months or something like that. Um, in the meantime, however, the brewer here left and I ended up getting uh, interviewing for a job here and it was a really good fit for me. So I, I hopped on it. It's uh, really nice equipment. So being able to make the best beer I've ever been able to in my 15 year career so far. And uh, we're, we're still, you know, finding our place in the pandemic. We've been reopened for outdoor uh, shutdown again, and we were just able to reopen last week. Um, so we're, we're just doing our best to navigate it all and not waste too much beer and make sure there's lots of fresh IPA on tap when we are able to open and get some cans into the market. Um, just really use it as a time to, to do the best we can, promote our brand, get some awareness out there, and um, kind of dial in all our all our flavors and processes with the brewery and with the restaurant. Um, and we have a fantastic food program here. The, the owner is also the chef and he's from France and he's cooked all over the world. And we have things like filet mignon and, uh, you know, lamb shank and tons and tons of stuff. that's all made from scratch. So it's, it's really next level pub food. So it's a great spot. I'm really happy to be here. Kim, are you, is it more like a brew pub or are you like a one, a one brewer operation? Yeah, exactly. Um, at the moment, it's, it's just me doing everything, so it's been it's been pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, and Joanne, let, let, let's focus on some of the other stars of of your region. I mean, California is a big state, and you guys expanding from just San Francisco Beer Week to working across the state. Um, who are a couple of the stars and some of the initiatives that you guys are doing to kick off California Craft Beer Week? Well, one of the first things we decided to do was um, do a sort of a special auction uh, event uh, and offer guild boxes that are mixed packs that um, are really bringing together some of the um, leading stars of each region. Um, so, you know, in L.A., we've got um, breweries like Smog City and Beachwood participating. Um, in San Diego, we've got uh, Belching Beer and Second Chance and you know, Lost Abbey and a lot of these like really, you know, uh, really pronounced uh, brewers, but also some up and comers. And we uh, we knew this was a fundraiser. So our number one goal was to get these boxes out there um, and sort of co-promote each other's boxes. And they really flew. I mean, we sold out uh, the Bay Area one really uh, went within a day, within 24 hours. Um, caught us by surprise, in fact, because we were getting ready to do a lot of promotional stuff throughout the week around uh, the Bay box in particular. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, so that's, so they're gone. Um, but it just goes to show you, you know, people really want to support, uh, breweries in their backyard. Um, we can only ship these within the state because of, um, our state's ABC laws. Um, and the demand is there. So we've sold out, um, we've just about sold out all the boxes. I think there's, you know, an orange County, uh, box, um, Central still has some, and that's where Silva Brewing is another big brewery that is in the is in that um, Central Coast box, um, and and so it's 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 just exciting to see people really be passionate about uh, their local craft brewery, and that's really the feedback we've gotten. And then here in the Bay, we also do what we call chapter collabs because we're such a big regional guild. We try to encourage, um, we have five different chapters and we try, try to encourage each chapter to do a collaboration. And that's where uh, Kim's be uh, Brewery Pacifica um, has really been involved helping organize a lot of that stuff. And we've got a great, um, his chapter is, the, is part of the Coast chapter. We've got a great 
um, chapter collab coming out there as well as in East Bay and San Francisco, North Bay and Silicon Valley. So um, it is about community and collaboration. So that really speaks to us. Wow. Kim, would we want to talk about that, that collaboration and some of the other things you've been doing for the beer week? Yeah. So that one specifically, um, I teamed up with a, a couple other breweries. Um, Discretion is, is hosting the collab. Um, and so uh, myself and a few of those people um, all kind of came up with a, a concept and a, and a recipe. Um, and so we, we wanted to make a hazy IPA with all New Zealand hops, kind of drawing inspiration from the sharing a latitude with uh, New Zealand and uh, Santa Cruz. And so kind of like on exact opposite sides of the world. So we uh, called it Flipped Turned Upside Down, which is a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reference, <laughs> um, which I was, I was pretty excited about coming up with that name. <laughs> and everyone loved it, so we rolled with it. Uh, and it's using uh, a hop blend from Brewer Supply Group that they've come up with. Uh, that's a blend of a, a handful of New Zealand hops as well as some Matuika that we got from Hollingberry and Sons, which is a hop broker up in uh, Yakima, Washington. And uh, all the grain for the collab is from Admiral Maltings, who are in the East Bay, um, just down the road from Faction Brewing. And uh, they, they focus on all California-grown barley, rye, wheat, oats, and malt it all in-house, uh, on a very old-style tradition uh, of floor malting and kilning. They have really spectacular stuff. So uh, great ingredients. Um, actually, really haven't had that much discretion beer, but I've heard uh, amazing things about them. So I'm really excited to, to taste it. And I think it's either just finished or will be finished soon. So um, I'll be looking for some cans myself. I'm sorry, I'll just jump in. It's actually got a local yeast from Giga Yeast, which is based out of Silicon Valley as well. Um, so we so we do try to like support the local uh, businesses, and then it was really exciting to be able to have Giga Yeast involved too. Yeah, how would you guys how would you describe that like the sense of locality that you guys have, and and since you're Bay Area in the Bay Area, I mean for for us right now having Avril Maltings in the East Bay with California grown grains, and they make a really quality product. Um, everybody's really happy to have this new. Uh, ingredient to use and um, and support them. So I'm super grateful that they exist. And then, like Joanne just mentioned, Gig East is who we got our yeast from. And uh, Jim is doing a phenomenal job down there. I'm having really, really great results with his yeast. And he's been, it's been so helpful having them as a resource during the pandemic because his, uh, his, his yeast is really high quality and you get a lot of cells uh, in your packages of yeast, meaning like it's really high levels of concentrated yeast cells um, for like a pretty good price. And he ships for free in California. So, wow. Hey, Kim, I'm going to go back with you. I just want to hear you, you, you've been a brewer for a while and, and I'm, I know you're very connected in the industry. You want to give us a shout out to, to one or two other brewers or breweries that, that you've worked with um, just so we can get a sense of the, the flavor of, of your region. Yeah, you mean like breweries that I've worked for in the past? That sounds good, yeah. Okay. Um, I got my start at Marin Brewing Company, which is uh, a little north of San Francisco in Larkspur, California. And uh, they've been around since 1989. Their brewmaster, Arnie Johnson, is just an absolute legend uh, in the Bay Area and really in the United States. Um, he's won loads of medals at Great American Beer Festival, and pretty much anything he touches is going to be delicious, so... Um, I was really fortunate to learn under him. A lot of other great brewers in the Bay Area learned under him as well, including Tim uh, Shasha from Cellar Maker. Um, so I was there for about five and a half years, and then I moved on to Social Kitchen and Brewery, which is in San Francisco. And uh, that, for a few years, was a one-man show, and eventually I was able to bring on an assistant. But working there, I really got to focus on developing my own recipes and brands and marketing strategies and stuff. So... Um, that was a great learning experience for myself. Uh, while I was there, I got two gold medals for my English pale ale called Mr. Kites at the Great American Beer Festival. And I also coined the Brute IPA beer style, which sort of swept the world by storm in uh, 2018. 
and quickly disappeared in 2019. <laughs> well, congratulations for you, man. We did do a show about a year and a half ago about brewed IPAs. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, it was, it was a really fun experience. And um, at the end of the day, it really gave me a, an opportunity to converse with a lot of brewers that I, I don't think I would have been able to, you know, to really reach out to um, otherwise. And uh, even a brewery in Argentina flew me down to give a lecture at a homebrew conference as well as do a collab with them. So um, it was it was a really fun time. Um, sad to see the style not really succeed, but uh, I'll, I'll keep making them once the once we're open up again and beers flowing strong. I think we'll have some space to to make some new brewed IPAs. And I'm going to jump in, Kim, and say uh, he's uh, Kim has done a lot of uh, beer wine hybrids uh, very early on too uh, that have been uh, touted around here. I mean, they're just amazing. And um, I don't know, Kim, if you want to touch base on that, but I, I know that's another thing. You, yeah, you, you, you like to dabble in style innovation. That's a great line. I really do. Yeah, so I was at Social for about seven years, I believe, and um, I just kind of left. <laughs> One day I decided I needed a just a break between jobs because I'd never really done that before. So I took some time off and traveled around the U.S. and traveled to Europe uh, with a big focus on drinking beer and visiting breweries and stuff. And uh, as soon as I came back, I actually had a job lined up with Woods Beer and Wine Company, um, who are based out of San Francisco. And that was a really cool opportunity um, because they make wine as well as beer. And they've been also, like myself, been making beer wine hybrid uh, styles for years. And their approach is really fun. They basically get all the grapes and smush them up and just cast the wort straight from the kettle right onto the grapes and use the, the yeast on the grapes themselves to uh, do all the fermentation. Uh, so it's really just like magical. Um, and the, the beer wine hybrids that are coming out of woods are some of the most exciting and delicious and really intensely wine flavored um, of that stuff, of those types of beers that I've ever had. So that was really fun. Um, Woods was a great experience. They make a lot of really wacky things and they had a, a three barrel pilot system. So I was able to experiment on there and, and start making some of these humongously sweet pastry stouts that are kind of sweet in the nation right now. Um, and even made a couple of raw beers, which you're literally just going from the mash tun straight to the fermenter and fermenting with a, a quite yeast from Norway. And um, it, it tastes like almost like vegetable juice with botanicals infused into it or something like that. Um, it was really great to have the freedom to experiment with all that stuff over there. Um, so, yeah. And, and now I'm at Pacifica. So that's that's pretty much my story right there. Well, that's great. And Joanne, I want you to keep asking questions because you're good. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question now, Joanne. So going way back um, a year ago, what, what is, what are you, I'm always interested in a, a brewer's, brewer's guild person. Mm. What tasks do you do usually for your job and what were you doing differently or that was something you had to add on to make it through this last year? Well, I mean, you know, most guilds, um, their primary function is uh, twofold, uh, focused on legislative and focused on, on marketing their members and, and their region to tourism. Uh, regional guilds in California here, we have uh, a number of regional guilds because the state's so big. Um, the regional guilds are fortunate in the sense that we can, you know, really focus on marketing uh, members. And we do a lot of events and uh, we're focused on, you know, just trying to help bring uh, tourism to the to the Bay Area and help uh, co-promote our members to local craft beer lovers. Um, when, uh, you know, COVID hit, um, it really it really uh, turned a lot of things upside down in our region where we have 12 counties um, compared to San Diego, which has one county, for example. Um, and so when you have 12 counties suddenly calling the shots with whether uh, breweries are opened or closed, and um, here in our region, we also struggled with, while all the COVID stuff was going on, we had wildfires, we had um, just a lot. It was, you know, an incredibly intense year. Um, and it's also really hard to see um, smaller breweries struggle, and some have not made it. Um, so I think it's been a, a real challenging year. And then, of course, at the same time, you have to think about how your guild can actually 
exist as an organization, you know, um, if you don't have a lot of savings and you're, you rely on events and they're suddenly gone and there's no sponsorship anymore, you have to figure out another way. Um, so, you know, the organization has to do some financial discipline to try to survive, to live another day, to, to see this through. And I don't think anybody thought last March, uh, March 13th, when everything shut down here, I don't think anybody realized it was going to be close to a year um, that we are already right now. Um, but, you know, we do have, uh, we do try to look and, and, and realize that with Beer Week in particular, uh, while we were fortunate to get our Beer Week in before uh, everything started shutting down, the regional guilds, the other regional guilds, a lot of them had to cancel their Beer Week. And we also just knew that this year was not going to be the same. So rather than even, like I said, try, rather than even try to make it just like before, we just wanted to do something very, very different. Um, and I think we've succeeded in that. And, you know, a big part of doing this, too, is trying to tell our story to state uh, state stakeholders um, and to, um, you know, the, the counties. This is who we are as businesses. Uh, we, we're not like a bar. We have very high costs uh, to operate. We have high capitalization. Uh, we can't just uh, wing things, um, you know, suddenly, oh, oh, you know, have to offer a meal and other times not offer a meal. Uh, it's been incredibly tough, but, you know, we're all trying to get through a tough time together. And I think that's where uh, we really um, appreciated the opportunity to do something different and to try to, you know, really raise the profile of local California craft breweries to the state legislators and to consumers all over the state that we need help, we need support. And, you know, that's what we're hoping February is about, uh, really bringing people out reminding them that there's breweries in their backyard, because if they lose a brewery in their backyard, it, it's not going to come back. Um, and breweries are essential to revitalizing communities. So we're all just trying to hang in there. Oh, that's great. I was also going to ask you, the, the, what's the role of festivals in, in funding the, you know, guilds? Uh, for most guilds. I mean, is that, that's your memory funding? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I worked for the Texas Craft Brewers Guild for six years doing festivals. And that was the primary source of revenue for, for that guild for the longest time. And I, and I think over time um, there was more money being made with sponsorships and trade, but this kind of, it's not just the festivals that went away, the economy's kind of been wiped. Um, And so there's no sponsorship, whether you're talking trade or consumer sponsors. I mean, we had Hilton as a sponsor last year for, San Francisco Beer Week. Well, there, you know, that's not a possibility, right? In this, in, in this, in this environment, right? So, I, you know, I think it's a kind of across the board. Um, even the guilds that are focused on just legislate legislative issues and lobbying state legislators uh, lost trade trade sponsor revenues and trade member revenues, and it's also hitting at a time when their brewers are really hurting to pay some member dues, which is actually something we don't. We don't um, charge member dues right now. Uh, we may have to at some point, but we try to make our money through marketing. Um, so that's another thing where we're having to step back and say, well, what? how can we still exist here? Um, you know, but this is a this is a time where it really does show community matters. And um, I think we're we're one of the thing we told our members is, you know, if we're going to do California Craft Beer Week, that's also an opportunity for you to sell to other parts of California. A lot of our members pivoted and they're shipping uh, beer across the state. So that was the other flip of the coin there is like, don't, you know, don't look at this as like, hey, we're not focusing on Bay Area. Remember, you're focusing on also expanding your audience to consumers throughout the state as well. Yeah. And Kim, for you guys at Pacifica, I mean, being a brew pub, um, how was it? You, did you have to shift to doing more cans to, to trying to do distribution? Yeah, exactly. Um, when I got here, I mean, the, the space and the business model wasn't, you know, designed to do a lot of distribution. It was pretty much counting on most of the products happening in house. Sorry, I got a little water moving behind me. So I hope that's not uh, too loud. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I got here and uh, I mean, fortunately, when I was at Woods, we did a lot of canning runs with our mobile canning company uh, that does a lot of Northern California. So I was really familiar with them. And um, there was a distributor that I worked at, uh, with at 
Social Kitchen, so I was able to link up with them as well. They're, um, they're also a brewery, they're called Penthouse, and, and they do a great job. They only have a few brands in their portfolio and um, really give everybody a lot of, of good attention. Um, so I was able to kind of plug all these pieces together and really help the company kind of, you know, at least make some beer, move some beer, get some uh, exposure for our brand out there in the market um, in these times. So we've been really just like fortunate everything's working as well as it is uh, at this point. So, um, you know, we're just, we're just doing the best we can. Uh, Kim, are you in the brewery now? I am. Yes. So what are you making or what's, what's that process going on? Uh, our, uh, our water filtration is back flushing itself at the moment. So I, I didn't realize that's exciting. Do that today. <laughs> you like yeah. that, don't you, Joanne? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. It's the little things. And Kim, what, what, what do you, any, a question you would have for Joanne, what, whether it's something about the Brewer's Guild or how it can help you, or I don't know, you just ask Joanne a question because you guys have a good rapport. I think, I mean, I think in general, something that I, I'm curious with about everybody is what have you learned throughout this pandemic uh, in terms of maybe like virtual events or whatever that you would utilize moving forward post-pandemic when we are allowed to do things in person again? Like, are there, like are there, have you had any experiences that you're like, wow, that was a really good idea and uh, we're just going to do this in the future again? Like, will we do guild boxes again in the future to ship around the state or anything like that. Great question, Joanne. Well, I, I think everything's on the table right now. I think one thing we're learning is uh, every everybody, the breweries that adapted and pivoted and, um, you know, really realized that, you know, they had to change their model, um, definitely uh, are doing better, I would say. It's fair to say that, that that's true um, for the most part. Uh, but, you know, I think one of the big things that's this intangible with guilds is that it is a community. And, and I actually think that's probably been the biggest challenge with what's happened over the last, you know, this last year is, um, you know, we had chapter meetings. We would have chapter meetings, you know, at least quarterly, sometimes every other month. Um, we did collabs throughout the year. We were actually about to launch something called Brewer Weekends in 2020 that we're going to be little mini beer weeks uh, for each of our chapters. So, you know, East Bay would have a little beer week, um, a beer weekend, excuse me, San Francisco would have a beer weekend, uh, Coast would have a beer weekend and so on. And we had to scrap all that. And I think that's been the toughest thing is to try to maintain community when you can't actually hang out with each other. Um, there's, uh, there's social glue that Having a having an organization where you're all members of and there's like a social glue around that, um, I think that's been the toughest thing that uh, everybody's missed. And I don't think we realized how important it would have been to like put a lot of that structure in virtually early on until, it, you know, we were well into it. And then it was, you know, then we then things got really hectic and crazy again. Um you know, but we do have like a way for our members to post and talk to each other. And that's, I think, uh, a top priority to try to get that back because that social glue is what helps you survive these kind of tough times. Um, so I would say that, you know, the guilds, it's also the, been the biggest challenge. I, not just my guild, I'm on guild calls with guilds throughout the country. And that's been one of the biggest challenges, trying to stay connected with everybody um, and try to keep everybody's hopes up when it's been such a tough situation and it's hard to know what to say when things are so tough that you're not really sure, you know, words don't have as much meaning anymore. Um, but there is a light, you know, at the end of the tunnel now, I think everybody's feeling that. And certainly here in the Bay area, we're feeling that. And, you know, we all realize the situation is what it is. Uh, it's a serious situation. There's, you know, a lot of people have died. So uh, it's, it's just uh, trying to survive it trying to remember we're here for each other and, you know, hopefully that message is getting out there. That's a great point. That's a, we're going to take a short break here. We'll be back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio. All right. This episode is brought to you by Uptown beer society. They're a craft beer gang dedicated to making memorable collaborations with New York city brands and breweries owned by people of color. 
Their Bronx Culture Series featured three beers made in collaboration with Gun Hill Brewery, inspired by the Bronx and Latinx culture. Uptown Beer Society works with underrepresented brewers and beer bar owners to highlight and celebrate cultural gems that make New York City so special. Learn more about their unique beers and where to find them when you follow them on Instagram at Uptown Beer Society. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni, and it's a good time to become a member of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're talking California Craft Beer Week uh, with Joanne of Bay Area Brewers Guild and Kim of Pacifica Brewing. So, Joanne, you were just talking about the social glue that's missing. Um, I totally get that. And everything I do now, it's like, whoa, if I'm going to my CSA pickup or something, I'm, you make new friends by, by running into them. Um, do you think any of the virtual events you guys have been doing is can replicate, you know, social interaction? Yeah. Well, you know, I think they're tough and I think people are a little fatigued of virtual events. Um, but there's also something to be said with at least trying to connect somehow. Um, I know like some of our members have informally tried to like, you know, visit or have some uh, meetings in parking lots and things like that to try to like, hey, does everybody want to just sit in our car and get a beer together? I mean, it's like whatever we can do, um, you know, but, it, you know, it, it's really hard too. I think, because um, as business owners, as small business owners, most of our members are, you know, small family-owned breweries, in fact, Um it's really just trying to keep up with all the changes and all the pivoting and shifting with hiring label labor and making sure, you know, uh, a lot of breweries here are just tasting rooms and we had a meal requirement. So suddenly they had to figure out food partners and then there was openings and closings. So it's been really, uh, I think one of the things that we set out initially was like, we don't want to, we don't want to tax our members. We don't want to like, create yet another thing they need to do or feel like they have to do. But that, you know, that comes with the, the trade-off of missing that social glue. Um, but when everybody's so overextended, uh, that's what we, we're hearing over and over again. Everybody's overextended. You know, people had to let staff go. So they're also doing the work of, you know, three people instead of, you know, one or two like they used to, right? Um, so I think that's the tough part is everybody is trying to do a lot with a, with a little and just trying to stay, uh, stay so they can keep their doors open. Uh, so it's really hard to like say, Hey, how about, you know, come to this meeting, that meeting when everybody's, you know, pretty exhausted. So I don't know, it's tough. I, you know, I think that's the thing I certainly miss most is being able to connect with everybody in a meaningful way and just uh, seeing somebody's face and seeing them talk in person is so, it's so much more profound than a Zoom call, but that's what we got. Yeah. Well, you guys are doing a great job. I'm really impressed with the, the California Craft Beer Week setup. Um, San Francisco Beer Week. So let's talk about that going back 10 years. Um, it seems like it was very influential. How has the whole San Francisco beer scene changed in the last 10 years? I know that's also a broad question. Well, I think in general, like most uh, areas of the country, there was the nice big explosion between, uh, you know, really the, la the last six years up until the last two years. So like, you know, 2012, 13, really to 2018, there was like a really big explosion of craft beer. When I got hired, uh, when I got hired, there were 20, uh, 20 members and our gala had um, about 80 brewers from throughout the Bay Area. Uh, now we have over 150 members uh, for the whole Bay Area, and I think we had like 135 attend the gala last year. Um, so, you know, and also just Beer Week events, you know, we went from, you know, almost a thousand events uh, the last two years uh, from when I started, I think there was about 400 or 500, somewhere around there. So, Craft beer uh, really did take off. A lot of local, um, a lot of breweries opened up in little neighborhoods serving, you know. Kim, Social Kitchen, right? You remember. So when did Social Kitchen open and, and what a great neighborhood place, right? Oh, totally. Um, they opened in 2010. Uh, I mean, when I started at Social, I think that San Francisco was kind of always hovering right around 10 breweries or so, like in total. And, um, Probably by 2015, 
in this like three year span, like 20 breweries opened up uh, all at once. And it was, it was really mind blowing to see because San Francisco is, I mean, you know, it's the original place of craft beers. is interesting brewing company and uh, New Albion, just north of San Francisco. And um, it's just such a hard place for small business and restaurants and bars and hospitality in general that um, for new breweries to kind of navigate all the, the terrain to get a, a business open is really tough. Uh, but people finally figured it out and were willing to take the risks. And all of a sudden, we have this this like nice bustling uh, scene. Um, and so it's it's evolved tremendously in the last ten years in San Francisco specifically, but um, really all over the area. And it's it's been awesome to see. I mean, right off the bat, San Francisco here was just super successful, and um, it's only it's just gotten bigger. It's just included uh, a further reach region over the course of the years wow hey kim what 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 are you drinking tonight i want to hear about some of the some of the beers that you're drinking or or will be drinking yeah i got some yeast yesterday from one of my buddies dan at hop dogma and while i was there we kind of swapped some uh, cans of beer so i'll I'll be drinking one of his ipas tonight and uh, we we just did a canning run ourselves last week so um, i got a hazy ipa with ramaka hops from new zealand that i'm really excited about so i'll probably drink one of those as well that's it. That's great. And Joanne, what, what, what's one of the beers that you're drinking this week? Well, right or now, right now. During, during the week, I'm trying to be good, but I'm hoping if I can get a little breathing room from planning for uh, California Craft Beer Week to do a rundown to Santa Cruz where I can uh, pick up some. Uh, we're, 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 we're packaging our guild box. Uh, Humble C is actually going to um, do the packaging for us. And then uh, it's a great area to swing through to visit discretion. Uh, New Bohemia is another great brewery down there. Obviously, Humble Sea. Um, so it's always nice to take a road trip, and by doing that, I could probably swing by Half Moon Bay and Pacifica as well if I can, if I can break free this Friday. Yeah, well, t- t- tell me about tell me about those breweries because it really like so much of California is new to me. Like I I know I've met Roger from Faction Brewing. Um, I know of Drake's because I know a, a number of brewers who work there over the years. Um, but most of the breweries that you've mentioned are new to me. So tell me about that Santa Cruz trip. Do, do you know any of those brewers, Kim, down in Santa Cruz? Yeah. Um, I, I, I haven't gone to Santa Cruz to drink beer too much. To be, I mean, I just don't really go to Santa Cruz too often. Um, but there's, there's a bunch of breweries down there that I'll drink, you know, I'll be able to drink at a beer festival or something like that. So, uh, Humble Sea is kind of like, like the big one. Um, and uh, they, they do a lot of fun things. Um, Santa Cruz Mountain's been around for a while. Um, trying to think of the others. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to leave everybody out. Play favorites. I, I am. Well, uh, I can do a plug here if you don't mind. We have a website called Drink Drink Bay Beer. It's drinkbay.beer or drinkbaybeer.com. However, you want to get there, and we actually list all of our members there. Um, and so, I mean, you can, this is such a rich region. Like I said, we have over 150 members and I mean, you can go up to Heldsburg and, uh, you can hit Santa Rosa where, you know, there's fog belt and, uh, Russian river, of course, and Cooperage and Shady Oak. And then you can swing down through East Bay and hit those places, bop into the city. You could bop out to Silicon Valley where there's even more brewers and then, you know, go all the way down to Monterey, where Alvarado would be at the sort of the other end of the spectrum. So we've got a lot of really, really fantastic breweries in here. And, you know, I would just say, you know, uh, it all started out of San Francisco, right? So, it, you know, that's that's where our heart is, <laughs> so to speak. And there's, uh, you know, there's great local breweries there like Harmonic and Laughing Monk and, um, you know, Bear Bottle is another a hot one, you know, Four Points. Uh, so I, we have no shortage of really, really great beers and even great brew pubs like Thirsty Bear and uh, Bartlett Hall Black Hammer, um, you know, and it's just uh, we, we have a we have a wealth of fantastic breweries. So I like Kim, it's really hard to just like say, oh, you know, this is the one I'm going to hit. It's it's hard to uh, it's hard to pull favorites. Yeah, I think my head exploded when you when you asked the question. <laughs> well, you know it it's huge. I mean, hundreds of breweries. It's it's I, I I'm 
totally down to come visit because I have not been in San Francisco in probably 30 years. And um, I love hearing about your beer culture out there. Kim, you, your your innovation, um, the Brood IPA, um, do you mind just rehashing that for us? How did you come up with the Brood IPA? Because I remember, yeah, for a hot minute, everybody was doing that. Yeah. Um, wow, I haven't had to tell this story in about a year. but uh... <laughs> So now it's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this might be a fresh telling. Um, basically, uh, got hip to using an enzyme in, in uh, the fermentation from uh, my buddy Tim at Cellar Maker. Um, and so I was making a triple IPA with it. And the strategy with that was to kind of be able to start with less sugar and finish with no residual sugar and end up with this 11% beer that wasn't as sweet as most triple IPAs tend to be. So I thought it was a really good strategy in that practice and then uh, wanted to apply it to see if I could make, uh, you know, a six to 7% IPA with zero residual sugar and just be bone dry with the idea of it having a drinking experience, you know, akin to like a really dry champagne. Um, so, so I, kind of molded over for a while and one day, you know, brewed one and was like, all right, let's do this. And I uh, was talking to one of my friends who's uh, a big wine person and was kind of picking her brain about, you know, like, what can I call this? Like, what do people call really dry sparkling wine? And she's like, Oh, we call it extra brew. And so I was like, all right, that's a great, that's a good name, you know, to call this style. So um, kind of had the concept and, and a name for it and threw it all together and made this super pale, uh, bone dry, poppy beer that was, you know, six and a half percent or so and uh, posted it on Instagram and everybody in San Francisco, all my, my brewer friends uh, kind of hit me up and were like, yo, man, I'm going to come by and try this and see what's going on. That sounds really interesting. And uh, Seth from Magnolia popped over pretty quick after uh, my buddy Phil from Triple Voodoo, Tim from Cellar Maker, uh, John Galuli got some from Drake's. Um, one of their uh, employees, uh, Brian Steckschulte, who was uh, also a director of the guild before Joanne, uh, came by and snatched some up. And so kind of like within a month or two, several breweries in the Bay Area were starting to experiment in making them. And fast forward, like four months after that, uh, our local paper, the SF Chronicle, did a big story about it. And that was when it really just spread across the world. And the next thing I knew, I was getting emails from people in Russia, um, all over the country, people in Brazil and uh, Australia. Um, they had all, you know, read the article, were asking me, you know, like, what are you doing? How do you do this? And um, it just it just took off. And, um, you know, kind of the failure of the style, I think, was that it's, it's a really difficult uh, beer to make, not only because of the balance of it, because um, it's such a strange balance of having no residual sugar in a beer with a lot of hops, you know, which add bitterness. Um, but also just the technicality of dealing with all the, the kind of like the issues of using enzyme. And so I was constantly experimenting and upgrading my processes and um, constantly improving the beers that I were making and I think other people, you know, would try to make one or two and they just wouldn't really turn out that good. So they just gave up on it. And that multiplied by, you know, all the breweries that tried it. I think, you know, so few of them actually were successful with it that eventually the consumers were like, these are terrible. Like, why are we drinking this? And <laughs> it eventually got kind of a bad rap. So there's still a few people out there making them. And uh, I know other breweries that are even making them and calling them other things, you know, like like dry IPA or bright IPA or, or even just an IPA that happens to be really dry. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see if it ever comes back in some other form um, or if, you know, maybe, maybe a, a hype brewery makes a really good one five years from now, kind of as a joke and everybody really digs it. Well, it sounds like it became the flavor of the month, but it sounds like you, you've actually, uh, you, you may have in, quietly influenced, um, that new style, and you're right. It it it's probably certain quality brewers will will keep at it, you know. And I can vouch for I can vouch for the fact that you know having had 
Kim's version of it and then trying other breweries. It, it's it's an expertise thing, right? Uh, you know, he, Kim's not going to toot his own horn, but I will. You know, he, he dialed it in and he worked hard at it and you drank it. And it was, he was zigging when everybody was zagging, right? So everybody's starting to make these more fruity, sweeter IPAs. And then this came out and it was, you know, the brewers that drank it were, uh, were just like, oh my God, I'm so happy to, I've got palate fatigue. I'm so happy to be drinking this and it tastes great. Uh, but it, but it did require that people brewed it well. And when it started blowing up, the, the quality just wasn't there. And, and that happened early with hazies, right? I can remember having a hazy from a local brewer who I, who I won't name and they called it a New England style beer and I drank it and I was like, wow, that is not a New England style beer. I don't know what they're thinking, <laughs> but that's the danger of some of these, you know, trendy styles um, is that if the, if they're not in the right hands, the consumer's going to get, like uh, Kim said, they're going to get a bad impression of it when it's actually a really fantastic style. It just has to be done well. I'll give you an example. About 10, 12 years ago, cask beers on the East Coast were becoming popular as, as well as Imperial IPAs. And one brewery, which I'm not going to name, they, they wanted to go in bars and do a pairing where you had their Imperial IPA on draft and then the Imperial IPA in cask. And you're like, that is the worst idea ever. <laughs> and it's not a way to showcase any of these styles. But um, so I, I, do you have to deal with that as a Brewers Guild? Like, do you, do you have to, like, ever take a brewery aside and say, guys, why are you guys screwing up? <laughs> well, um, I will I, I will quote John Galuli from Drake's because he, uh, you know, he was on our board for a while now and he's passionate. And he his when we were coming up with a, uh, updating our mission as we uh, evolved into a regional guild, his big thing was like, the number one thing has to be, you have to make great beer. Like that's gotta be the number one thing because you're reflecting on the whole region. If you want to be part of this, then, you know, we have to help everybody make good beer. And I don't care if we're competing against each other, you know, that's not what a guild and that's not what our community is about. So I, I think that's, um, you know, that's part of our ethos. Uh, there's a couple of like raw ingredients that are part of our makeup as a guild. One is, is to help each other make great beer and be supportive. Kim is always on, on the forum, you know, offering advice to people or helping somebody out who needs yeast at the last minute or whatever it might be, um, and giving people advice. And then the other is, is uh, diversity and inclusion. That's a big part of our DNA. We are here in the Bay Area, so... We love that everybody's individualistic. You can walk into one of our members, you know, could could be, you know, really focused on kind of a heavy metal feel and vibe. Another uh, could be focused on wine country style and and uh, there's all different personalities and we celebrate that. That's one of the reasons we formed chapters because we didn't want San Francisco to change. We didn't want East Bay to change. We didn't want North Bay to change. We want to celebrate that diversity that we have in this region and we want to foster that kind of grassroots connectivity and, and community with each other. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's, that's, that's where I come from. Uh, that's where my heart is and that's where uh, the brewers here, that's where our heart is as a guild. Wow. That's great. Um, any final comment? You, you, uh, how about this? Each of you say a final comment or a question for the other, whatever, whatever is on your mind or we haven't talked about Kim. Uh, I mean, I, I'll just kind of keep going with what Joanne was talking about there, of, of like how the, the Bay Area is such a diverse region and it's all types of people and uh, it's something that we really celebrate. And, uh, you know, as craft beer has thankfully and, you know, really boldly kind of started this conversation about inclusivity in our industry because we need more of it. And, um, you know, we just want to have a big party and make sure everybody feels like they're welcome to come and and come out here and have fun. And it just makes going to different breweries with all these different types of personalities, not only in ter terms of like the human element, but in terms of like the actual product itself uh, is something really special. And I think the Bay Area amplifies that as well as anywhere in the world, if not the best. So um, I'm really proud to be a part of this, this scene over here. And, and I will say, um, in the New York City Brewers Guild, which which I know pretty well, the the new director Ann Riley is great. And just last year, or but the last year and a half for for their pre uh, COVID events, they were definitely 
um, going more with those themes of diversity and inclusion. And, and th- they said the same thing. It, it's, it does really reflect the city and, and the members. And before um, it wasn't the case. So it's, I guess you guys are at the forefront, right? <laughs> I hope so. We like to be at the forefront, but I personally want to ask him when they're going to have their first beer dinner. Cause that, I really think that my question's got to do with like, wanting to go over there and try that pairing of Kim's beer and their, their French chef's food. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, we're going to do a pairing throughout Beer Week. So every day it'll be available. Um, and we're going to offer uh, four packs, like a mixed four pack to go if people don't feel comfortable in eating in our outdoor space. They're welcome to get the beer pairing dinner to go. Um, and so we're, we're still working on the menu, but uh, it's, it's going to be super good. And I guarantee you some homemade Dungeness crab ravioli and uh, oh. I think like a pork tenderloin with something going on and just to name a few of the dishes. Well, you guys are really uh, making me want to come out there. So I, I bet we will, we will end up out there and we'll definitely do something with you guys again. Um, Joanne, how do people find out about California Craft Beer Week and the Bay Area's Guild one more time? Yeah, so California Craft Beer Week is at CA, uh, as in California, CA, craftbeerweek.com. And they can also go to Drink Bay Beer, uh, drinkbay.beer, uh, for the guild overall. And I look forward to having you uh, next year, San Francisco Beer Week. We're going to hold you to it. I'll be there, Joanne. Thank you. And Kim, thank you so much. I am so impressed, and I'm, I'm so glad to have met you. And we will definitely talk again. So thanks to everybody. Big shout out to Armin and Caroline, our, our team here, um, for setting this up. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host on Beer Sessions Radio. Thanks to our guests, Joanne and Kim. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.